1: For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info
0: at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's do some tech gumbo today. Looking forward to it. Start off, as always, with news and updates. And the first story we wanted to talk about, scientists have found a way to transmit space-based solar power down to earth for the first time. Yeah, this is pretty cool. They
1: have a satellite that's orbiting and they were able to capture solar energy and then transmit it via lightweight microwave power transmitters. And so ultimately the goal is to scale this up. Right now it's only enough to power two LEDs, but this is a really cool idea and potentially in the future could grow
0: something very interesting. This is the Caltech Space Solar Power Project at Caltech University. And really a cool idea. They put it, there's part of a satellite that's up there in space that is is all set up for this test. And to actually transmit power that the satellite grabbed from the sun. And yes, it only lit up two LEDs. Okay, fine. It's a first step, though. And
1: That's the thing is that... Once you start to scale this, you start to grow it, you make it more efficient. If you can have your solar panels, instead of having to have them sit in a field somewhere, if they just sat in space and they all beamed the energy back to one central location, now land is not even a concern at all. You're not worried about any of those other infrastructure problems. Well,
0: that really frees you up to do a lot more interesting things. And also is very clean energy. This is just really cool in a very, very first step in a long journey that if they can really make this scale, this will be great. Yeah, because you mentioned that it's clean energy. It would also be incredibly
1: cheap energy because it doesn't cost us anything to run the sun. The sun just produces very large amounts of energy for free. And right now, most of it just passes us by. And so if we're able to just start grabbing small percentages of it, the cost to do everything
0: would drop dramatically. We'll certainly look for more news to come out of Caltech and keep you up to date as we can find out anything else. The next story we wanted to talk about was electric vehicles, but not in the way that we have talked about EVs up until now. So this story... The first
1: statistic which grabbed me from the story was actually, it's a story talking about tires manufactured by Bridgestone. Their projection was that only 30% of new vehicles will be electric by the end of the decade. That's not the main headline of the story, but that number felt small to me. I would expect that five, six, seven years from now, new vehicles sold only 30%. That was was a low estimation in my
0: opinion. But the big part of the story is that these electric vehicles, or EVs, will wear through tires 30% faster than gas-powered engines. That is definitely the headline here.
1: I do think, though, that potentially this is not as bad as it seems on its surface. They've broken this out into two major contributing factors. The first one is that electric vehicles are heavier than your standard internal combustion engine, and that's because the electric vehicle batteries are just heavier than gas tanks. Now, because your passenger cars don't have to have that much energy, there will still be reasonable amounts of weight. When you start getting into your freight trucks, those just need bigger batteries. Those can become very heavy and that is just going to stick around. There's only so much you can do to improve your efficiency of your battery. And so that will be a problem. The other one, though, I think actually can be solved much more easy the other problem they identify here is that part of it is how fast electric vehicles can deliver power that gasoline engines just take longer from whenever you press the pedal to whenever they're spinning at full speed whereas electric vehicles that's instantaneous but you can also have it not be instantaneous in electric vehicles. Computers can control all of this, they can limit that rate of acceleration. And so you could bring this back down to a reasonable range and not have yourself burning through all of your tires as fast.
0: Because in a gasoline engine, you've got a transmission, mostly automatic transmissions nowadays, and it shifts through that whole series of gears. And that's what allows that gradual buildup. Electric vehicles have one gear go you jam that accelerator to the floor and you're pinned to the seat it's going rapid acceleration is going to burn through your rubber on the tires that much faster it's going to stop much faster and when it's a heavier vehicle and you hit the brakes cause more wear on the tires and so yeah that that kind of caught my attention too there's been several stories that we've covered like this wherever you know
1: evs aren't a panacea here they're an improvement they're definitely better and we should be moving in this direction but they're not a silver bullet and they will come with their own set of challenges that will
0: need to be solved along microsoft is trying to do whatever they can to Get the Federal Trade Commission to not get in the way of them buying Activision Blizzard to the point where they've actually come out and said, look, we lost the console war. What do you what do you want from us? This was a
1: fascinating tact, which I simply did not see coming. Their argument is that Sony's PlayStation and Nintendo's Switch platforms are just such a large share of the market that the Xbox is only 16%, and so it really wouldn't be a big deal if they bought Activision. And it is clever. It was definitely something that was not on my list of cards that they had in their
0: hand. Well, if you're going to tell me 84 percent of the game consoles out there can still log into their microsoft activision blizzard account and use the games that microsoft is going to own well then you don't have really that much of a monopoly you own the software but anybody's hardware can get into it now that's their argument is that that's what things will be
1: like however the FTC is pointing towards Microsoft acquiring to other studios, ZeniMax Media and Bethesda, and that Microsoft has said that those ZeniMax and Bethesda games will be exclusive to the Xbox. And so the FTC is arguing that maybe Microsoft won't have everything produced by Activision still stay multi-platform. Maybe they'll be a bit more judicious about what games are just on the Microsoft console platform? Because if you're Microsoft and you're at 16%, if you could grow to 20%, boy, that's a huge increase. And you know, just a couple titles here and there could make a big difference. You know, maybe the argument is that Microsoft actually has a lot to gain by buying Activision. And so therefore, maybe not even more dangerous, but they're definitely poised
0: to do something along these lines. And, oh, by the way, exclusivity is not something that Microsoft has cornered. I mean, you think you're going to play Mario on an Xbox? Not happening. I mean, any of the, the games that are exclusive to to the PlayStation? Not going to play on an Xbox. And I don't see Sony sitting there you know, waving the white flag saying, oh, sure, you can play any one of our games. You Nintendo is never going to let... Mario run around on Xbox, just not gonna happen. Uh, That's that's an excellent point. I
1: think the difference here is that both Sony and Nintendo built their development studios in-house. And that's whenever you spin it up from your own umbrella versus going out and buying someone else. And that is
0: exactly why Microsoft is facing the scrutiny here that those other two aren't. But that's what Microsoft has been doing for 40 years, buying somebody else's stuff and making it better. They've not invented anything of their own that I can think of off the top of my head. Everything they've done is because they went and bought somebody, made it better, and had better marketing than their competitors. And they have lost antitrust lawsuits in the past for this exact reason moving on we wanted to get into a little bit of the artificial te- intelligence uh, a few different things happening congresses they're saying that they're going to start holding a whole bunch of series of committee hearings to and file legislation and that's fine that's great okay yeah 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 moving along the cool stories that we wanted to talk about especially in light of the lsu tigers winning the men's college world series this week Baseball scouts are now starting to use artificial intelligence to scout ball players.
1: This, honestly, the only surprising part about this to me is they have not already started doing so. That baseball as a sport just lends itself towards data analytics much more than football does, much more than basketball does, because it's a lot of discrete actions that the pitcher throws the ball, and then the batter swings. And then if he makes contact, the ball goes to the shortstop who throws to the first baseman. And it's each one of those is discretized, and it's units of action. Whereas in a football play, the quarterback takes the ball and hands off the running back. But then the running back has to sit there and watch, is the wide receiver blocking? Is the tight end going around the corner? What's the safety doing? And you have 20 people who are all running around the field and each one of their actions matters in a way that baseball is just much simpler, much easier to quantify, much easier to count. And so that is what you need to do all of these data analytics. And machine learning is just really advanced data analytics.
0: So there's a company called Uplift Labs, and what they're doing is they're studying the biomechanics and they're they're taking these digital cameras and they're watching and recording these players' motions and movements. And, And this is mostly about pictures right now, but they're able to tell if somebody is got too much of a jerking motion, if there's an arm that flares the wrong way in the in the movement of making the pitch and is probably going to wind up with Tommy John surgery, or if they're striding out too far out and, and it's causing them to lose power, because there's all these different things that this artificial intelligence can do by looking at these players' motions and mechanics that the, the human eye can look at that and go, yeah, he's got it, or well, maybe not, you know, I, he's got decent control, but something doesn't look right with the way this, whereas that computer can break down every single action of what the player is doing and can recognize, oh, you've got a stud here who's got a very easy flowing motion who can throw 101 miles an hour, or you got somebody, hey, look, he throws 98, but he's going to wind up on the operating table in a year and a half, so don't spend a whole lot of money on him. And that's, that's the thing about data analytics
1: is, good data begets good data and so because you you have all those models already built you can now plug into that more easily That you know, okay, here are the pitchers who have had long careers. Here are the pitchers who have had injuries. Here's what has caused those injuries. You can now sit there and start to say, who are the pitchers who are going to have those injuries? And so this is very much just an outgrowth of baseball already being set up for this way. And it's probably 10 to 20 years ahead of what football is doing. I would imagine that ideas like this will eventually make their way into football. Studying quarterback motions, quarterback throwing ranges, and things like that. But football just doesn't have that same data infrastructure, those same people who've already studied it and already made those foundational gains that allow this cool stuff to be built on top of it.
0: Uplift is trying to make this available for all teams because instead of the just the big market teams that have all the, the big money and they can go spend crazy and do things, they're trying to roll this out and just, here you go, We'll go look at all the college players who are going to, the top 100 prospects in college and in high school baseball. This is what we think about them. And then here's the data. Y'all can make your decisions as to whether you're going to draft these players based upon this information. That's just amazing. Oh, yeah, because you know
1: that their goal is to be seen as high-end scouts because then once you've shown that you can you know, start to do that analysis, Then teams come start to recruit you and pay you the premium to do that more fine grade stuff. It's a bold business model. And I'm very excited about our sports getting better because another thing you could do is maybe you tell the kid, hey, look, adjust your motion. You're doing this thing right now, which in three years is going to blow out your elbow. But you just change your angle a little bit and now you add five years on at the end of your career and so we don't sit around and say oh man if that could could have just stayed healthy he'd have been great maybe he does stay healthy in the future and we're able to extend
0: the the lifespan of all these players that's such a a unique tool that could really just extend so many players careers i really Hope they they roll this out to more than just pitchers at some point. It would be interesting to see, you know, batting motions, which I'm sure is coming next. And, okay, here's the shortstop, how he handles ground balls. What does the second baseman look like turning a double play? All of these different motions. Fascinating stuff to look at.
1: Oh, yeah, because you also have to think that we're setting them right now in these very controlled, very specific scenarios. But a lot of these types of things are going to come to other aspects of life. Right now, it's very easy inside of baseball because you have all of that data and you have the profit motive to win championships. But as you make this technology more reliable, more accessible, you know, maybe it starts to come to other places to where whenever you go to the gym and you're running on the treadmill, maybe they're able to say, oh, When it's just you, average Joe, running on the treadmill, the way your foot hits the treadmill, you're going to develop an ankle problem, change your foot strike, those types of things so that it's not just the pros who benefit from this, but long-term, this will make its way out into the general public, and we too will be able to have healthier bodies, have healthier motions because of this really advanced
0: data analytics. That's awesome. What's not so awesome is once again, facial recognition pops its ugly head up and says, yeah, we're looking for shoplifters who steal at stores in, in Britain. This is one of those things wherever we've talked about facial recognition
1: as the use of a surveillance tool that it's just not there yet. It's maybe it's right of the time, maybe it's right 90% of the time, but it's those edge cases, those error cases that can get you in a lot of trouble. You have to be careful and for that reason, it's been banned for from its use in the British stores. There's a, a company called
0: Firewatch in Britain. And what they're looking for is they're trying to recognize faces. Oh, this person, we know this person has been a shoplifter before. We know this person has done these different crimes. You need to stop this person from coming in your store. Or if you, they come in your store, you need to follow them throughout the store. Except when they make mistakes. And they yeah. start tracking people that they're not supposed to be tracking because they got it wrong.
1: This is such a gray area, and it's a compromise that each society will have to figure out for itself. And that we here in the US have erred more on the side of caution, and that a lot of times it hasn't it's been banned, or it's if it's come up in, in cases that it's been restricted. The UK is much more surveillance-heavy that the the UK is using these technologies, and that their agreement amongst themselves is that they are trading that privacy for security and so like you said it's not perfect here and it's not perfect there so is it worth it to follow an innocent person
0: you know what's what is that compromise to the the degree that they actually were using this facial recognition software during the coronation of king charles iii they have been using this in a lot of places and there's a lot of civic groups in britain who are calling this an orwellian response and they you know are big brother watch and different things like that they're very concerned because mistakes do happen and every time that this company identifies a shoplifter and the person goes on to be proven innocent or wrongly identified it just makes it worse
1: it also it's not a large leap to say that this company's going to start connecting all of its stores together and that you have this company has its database faces and you start connecting that to other databases of faces and Britain already has a very large number of surveillance cameras that watch everything that you're doing but right now it's just simple CCTV it's not that hard to sit there and start connecting all these cameras together and start laying the facial recognition over the top and you know, we, we talk about the, the idea of privacy is dead, but there's always more privacy to lose. We are not at zero right now, and this is an
0: unsettling move towards less. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed
1: our show today, we are here on Talk 173 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. and the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast, available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, Let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.